And as Pastor Dave said, we will be in Colossians this morning. Uh, and out of reverence uh, for the Word of God, if you would uh, please stand. Uh, and we're going to be in chapter 4 of Colossians, starting in verse 2. And we're going to go through verse 4. The Word of God says, Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us, that God may open to us a door for the Word to declare the mystery of Christ, on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. You may be seated. Let me pray for us. Father, we love you. You are good and right and holy. And Lord, it is pointless for us to be here without you. And so we pray that you would fill this place, that you would open our hearts and our minds to receive your word. Lord, allow us to see how beautiful prayer is. Lord, we love you. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, as you can tell from the passage of Scripture, uh, we're going to be talking about prayer. And so, it's kind of hard to really think about prayer uh, without thinking of uh, a missionary, evangelist, uh, one who ran an orphanage in George Mueller. And so, George Mueller uh, was back, he was... Uh, here on earth uh, back in the early 1800s. Uh, and while he was running this orphanage, he would pray for donors all the time to come and supply the needs for these children. And, and one day, they were sitting all around the table, and this is a very familiar story to many of you. They were sitting around the table, and there is no bread there is nothing to uh, eat, uh, no chips in a bag, uh, or anything to drink. And they're there. And he's just like, okay, well, it's time to go to school. So he lifts up his hands and he prays to the Lord. And he says, Lord, please provide their daily bread. And then comes a knock at the door. And there is this baker who is standing there with bread. And he says to him, The Lord woke me up at 2 o'clock in the morning and said, I needed to bring this bread here. So here is this fresh bread that was made this morning just for you. And he leaves, and they're overjoyed, as you can imagine. But as we know, our good and faithful God, that was not enough. And so he had a milkman to break down in the middle of the street. 
And he grabs the milk off of his cart and he runs up to the door and he says, Hey, could you guys possibly use this? He said, Sure we could. And so as we see through prayer the Lord providing this, but I want us to see that he doesn't only do this back when Jesus was walking here on this earth or back just during Old Testament times or just in the 18th century. But he does it now. I know there are many of you who have uh, felt the Lord press upon your hearts to go and provide meals for our ladies uh, who were staying in the cab on Monday and Wednesday night. I know many of you have supplied that, and I know many of you have prayed for that. Well, there was one evening uh, where we were over in the cab, uh, and Jen was sending volunteers down to the kitchen to go make sandwiches for the ladies, and there's peanut butter, and there's jelly, but there's no bread. And a good PB&J, I mean, like, that's top-notch. I know we always give credit to the peanut butter and the jelly, but you got to have the bread to smack it together, right? And so Jen's just like, okay, all right, go back down to the kitchen. We can't have the peanut butter and jelly out here and, you know, no bread. You know, it's kind of hard. I guess you could dab it. Uh, Jack, you might do it like that with a spoon. Um, but, <laughs> but then, the moment she sends them back, guess what? A knock at the door. And it is a man with a trash can bag size full of bread. And so, as we think about this beautiful, intimate opportunity that we have in prayer, what's the common denominator? It is prayer and God Almighty. So, we think about this word prayer. Well, what is it? In very basic terms, it is a relationship and communication with God. But how do we get this relationship and communication with God? It's through what our Savior, Jesus Christ, has done. It is because this holy God who wants to communicate with his people left heaven to come and live a perfect and sinless life, to die on the cross, to be buried, and to be resurrected from the grave. This is what gives us access. And he sends forth his spirit so that we can have communication from here on earth to heaven above. What a beautiful gift. And so as we think about this relationship that we have here, 
If you do not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, I implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. You are broken, you are fallen, and you need a Savior. And I tell you, we have a Savior who desires to have that relationship with you. So, as we think about this, and we're, we're going to dive into Colossians here and frame it all out from prayer. So, in the book of Colossians, you have Paul who is writing this letter, and he's in prison at the end of Acts in Rome. Okay, so Acts 27 and 28, that's where he is chronologically with this letter coming out. Okay, And he has his friend, while he's there, Epaphras, who comes and tells of what is happening in Colossia. Okay? And this is in response to that. You know, we don't know how intimate of a relationship Paul specifically had with them. But when he was in uh, Ephesus, Epaphras came up and heard the gospel, and went back to Colossia and shared the gospel there. And this is where it sprang up from the spreading of the gospel. And so as we dive in, and we're here in chapter 4, verse 2 through 4, let me read the passage for us again. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. And so as we dive in, I was reading this book. It's called by ha it, it's The Habits of Grace by David Mathis. And it had a great quote in there in chapter 7. And it said, Our asking and pleading and requesting originates not from our emptiness, but His fullness. Prayer does not begin with our need but with his bounty. And think about that, God. Guys, if we're thinking of a holy God, and I'm only interacting with him out of my need, think of it, what Daniel said this morning about how small he is, how little of power that he has. Think of my capacity even to know what I need. And I am coming from that framework instead of the vast majesty of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who has no beginning, who has no end, who is not trapped in time and space. Goodness, I want to come out of His bounty instead of my own capacity. Because I need that Savior. 
Because it's not me saying the right words and specifically articulating exactly what I need. Because is there anybody else in this room who sometimes really has no clue what they need? Right? I say a lot, Lord help me. Right? Because I don't know what in the world I specifically need. Does my anger need to calm down? Do I need to be more patient? Do I? No, Lord, help me. Lord, I need you. It's not him needing me to come to him. But I need the bounty. I love that word that, that David uses there. I, that bounty of who he is, his fullness. So as we dive in here, let's break down this uh, verse 2. It says, continue steadfastly in prayer. Steadfast is not a word uh, that we use a lot. Uh, we read it in our, in our word, but we don't use it every day. Um, maybe because we don't exude it very much. But steadfastness is a combination between perseverance. So when you think of perseverance, you think kind of in the immediacy. Right? Like there is a situation that has arisen and we're going to persevere through it. Right? And when that situation has alleviated, right, there's no more perseverance, correct? Because it's, it's past, it's in the rearview mirror. But steadfastness is a combination of perseverance, the immediate, what we see right in front of us, and endurance. That we must continue to plug along, we must continue to seek after the Lord, no matter with the good, bad, and the ugly. So we must be steadfast, continuing in prayer. And as I thought, thinking of steadfastly, as we look at the Lord Jesus Christ's life, and we see him day after day, what would he do? He would rise early in the morning, and he would go to the mountains. He would go wherever he could to be in solitude, to be alone with his Father. Then at night... He would go, and he would be there. Okay, so, guess what? If you're an early bird, or you're a night owl, it's okay to have your alone time with the Lord in either place. Right? One's not more holier than others, so if you can't drag yourself out of bed at 6 o'clock in the morning, or stay up till after 9, it's okay, because Jesus did both of them. Right? <laughs> it's like, but you see him steadfastly continuing. But you have to realize what he's doing. If he is continuing steadfast in this, why is he doing it? Because he has to know what the Father's will is. And so he's going to the Father so that he may know this day by day, moment by moment. Okay? And for me, what I do personally in, in my own devotional time, 
I either am outside, I, I, I'm an I'm out and about kind of mover, I'm either out and I'm looking up to the hills from where my help comes from, and that's Psalm 121. And so I am going there because what I am trapped in here, I need to be steadfast in Him not my own situation. So I have to go somewhere to get outside of myself. And so I have to do that, but steadfastly to do that day after day after day. Okay? And then the other is, is if I'm in my office or in my bedroom and it's my devotional time, I go down on my hands and my knees. And I'm down praying to the Father in submission, knowing that He is King. I don't deserve to even stand before you, but diligently, steadfastly communicating with God the Father in that, where nobody sees it. It's in secret. Addie has lived at my house for the past four months. Does that mean I have not prayed? No, but that means she has not seen me do that. That is between me and God. That is for nobody else's attention whatsoever. But we must, I mean must, continue steadfastly in that. Then next it goes in and it says, being watchful in it. Being watchful in it. Guys, as we're thinking about Jesus, and, and he would go, right? We think of the uh, Garden of Gethsemane and where the, he took some of the disciples with him. They were praying. He was like, watch and pray, watch and pray, watch and pray, right? Other translations would use the word being alert. I love that. Being alert and, and paying attention, right? Being watchful in it. So we're being alert as to what we are saying to the God of creation. And so as we kept falling asleep in the Garden of Gethsemane, right? And Jesus had to keep coming down, okay? Uh, some of the practical ways that the Lord has helped me to be alert, to continue to do that, is, is even in my individual prayer, I pray out loud so that I don't get distracted in my mind. Has anybody ever been just laying there in your bed and one minute you're praying and the next minute you're thinking about what you got to do the next morning? Right? Happens all the time. Well, me standing outside, looking to the heavens, being intentional. This is what I am doing at this moment. Humbling myself, being on my hands and knees. This is what I am doing at this moment. Speaking out loud. It allows me in my fallenness, in my lack of watchfulness, to stay alert. Because how many of you have been in the middle of a conversation, and I'm not saying have felt like falling asleep, but have actually fallen asleep in the middle of a conversation? It's hard to fall asleep when you're talking, right? <laughs> or to drift off, right? But it keeps you precise. Other ways to be able to do this is journaling. 
journaling your prayers to where you're using more of your senses to keep alert. Because we are supposed to be, yes, steadfast in it, but we've got to be watchful. We have to be watchful. And so as I'm writing in this prayer journal, I have to be watchful. What am I truly coming to the Father for? What am I truly here at His feet for? And so as we see this watchfulness, then it says, with thanksgiving. With thanksgiving. And so I'm being steadfast. I'm being watchful in it. How can I be thankful? A great way is as if you do write your prayers down, going back and reviewing. Going back and seeing what the Lord had done, what He had answered, what He, and not just said yes to, guys, right? Praising God for those, no, Grant, please don't go that direction, right? And, and He talks really kind to me sometimes. No, He, get there, right? But you've got to be thankful. I do this at night with the kids. Right? When I'm praying for them before they go to bed at night, I recap. Even if it's the smallest, simple thing. And I'll bring up Evan's last night. Evan cleaned out her uh, hamster cage yesterday. Right? And I thank the Lord for how kind she was to this little animal. Simple. But I'm remembering, I'm helping her to reflect and to realize, hey, God has done many a things throughout the day. And how many times do we get to the end of our day and we're just like, oh, goodness, could this day have actually gotten any worse? I've received this bad news. I couldn't do this. Wow. This is overwhelming. We need to be thankful. We need to review those days and to go back and to see His faithfulness. And as we're doing that, we go into the next verse and it says, At the same time, pray also for us. And so as we're doing this, we're being steadfast, we're being watchful with thanksgiving. We are doing this for others. And for me, personally, I, for others and myself, I love to pray God's Word. And so as we think about what we are praying for others, okay, one of mine that I'll send that probably many of you have received before is, is that may grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Because like I said, in my need, if we're just coming out of what I see and how I'm processing this situation for understanding what is going on in your life, I can't grasp it. But may grace 
and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Because I know us being bought with a price by Jesus Christ, He has extended grace and mercy. He has extended grace and peace. But man, how often do we need it multiplied to us, guys? And it is only God who is going to multiply these things. So as we're thinking of praying for others, think about that. When we don't quite have the words, we don't exactly know the situation. But could anybody in here use a little bit more grace and peace? And think about that. God's not even saying something like add. He's not saying something like subtract. But he is saying to multiply. To multiply it. And I know that just made all my math teachers in here just smile. Like, yep, mm -hmm. look at him. Right? But to multiply how quickly that continues to build up. Because we need that grace and peace multiplied to us. But what specifically is Paul asking for here? Yes, is he going to need grace and peace to do whatever is going on? But he specifically allows us to know what he needs from us. And it says that God may open to us a door for the word to be declared to declare the mysteries of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. And so as Paul's desire here, as he has heard this good report from the Colossians, he is saying, hey, I know I'm stuck here in prison, but I ask that you would pray that I would have the privilege to share the mystery of Christ. And what is the mystery of Christ? It is Christ Himself, it is the gospel. And as He desires 